Is Yahweh just like all the other gods on that council? Is Yahweh just as terrible as all those other gods on the council? Would he have showed up? So that was he seated somewhere in that very weird, selfish council? Welcome to Apologetic Simplified, a podcast about Christianity, theology, and culture. Hit subscribe to be notified of each new episode. And now, here's your hosts, Leah Chapman and Andrew Foster. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Apologetic Simplified. We are so glad that you're able to tune in and listen to us talk about things. Yay, very exciting. It is very, very exciting. Uh, Speaking of very exciting, has anything exciting happened in your life recently? Well, we did talk about it on the last episode, but we have officially relocated to LaGrange, Georgia, and we're like... I feel like we're 70%, 65% moved in. I feel That sounds is, like a very, very uh, well thought out and precise uh, Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to say 70%, but that just didn't yeah. feel right. So we backed it off a little bit. Maybe 68. I don't know. You know they say 60% of statistics are made up. I thought it was like, it was like 40. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, um yeah, so we're getting settled in. Uh, by the time this posts, I'll start at the job, and um, but so far, I got a got a few more days to settle in and taking a trip to the beach. That'll be fun. That's nice. Yeah, that'll be good. So, yeah, so uh, it's nice that all the moving has happened, and now we just get to to start doing the the new things. Very good. Yep. Well, uh, I just had an exciting event with my church. Uh, at the time we're recording this, it's the week of Labor Day, and we have some church members with some wonderful property, and they hosted an outdoor service for Labor Day. It was really nice, great time. I got to uh, play with a full praise band, which I hadn't done in a while, so that was very exciting. I will say it's the first time I've ever done a worship service poolside. But oh. We were also talking about that would have been really convenient had there been like a spontaneous baptism. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So um, since uh, moving to Lagrange, you done any exciting activities? I don't know, see any movies or anything? <laughs> well, you see, well, we went and visited our parents, and um, Phil and I quickly dropped the baby off with the grandparents, and then ran out the door and went and saw the movie Thor. It's the first movie we've seen in theaters like in quite some time. So it's very yes. exciting. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about things we can learn from the movie Thor Love and Thunder, which has been quite the controversial movie. So if you uh, hated that movie, uh, go ahead and judge the podcast. Leave us a nice thumbs down and a nasty comment. <laughs> or, or or hear me out. Leave us five stars and a nasty comment. That'd be really, that'd really throw everyone off. Oh, that would be great. They have terrible taste in movies. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will be talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. And here's the thing with this movie. If you're going in and you're expecting like, you know, top tier Marvel movie, you know, something really intellectually stimulating, or, you know, e- even, you know, a masterpiece like Ragnarok or Endgame, you're going to be quite disappointed. But... If you want to just like turn off your brain for two hours and be entertained, watch Thor hit things with a hammer. This is a good movie for you. I think you mean with Stormbreaker. Well, and well, and, and Thor, and Thor, yes, yes. Well, yes. and the hammer, and the Mjolnir. hammer, 
and both Thor's and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was, so I really enjoyed it. I mean, where I I would not consider myself much of a movie critic. I thought it was really funny. Um, Some of the controversial stuff I've seen in Christian circles is that um, there's clearly an LGBT agenda in it. But um, as for what you show your kids, well, for a few reasons, I probably would not show children, children, this movie, but, um, yes, but, but, um, <laughs> I would not show children, children's movie, but as for just, um, watching it as an adult, um, yeah, Disney does put the LGBT agenda in there and they kind of throw it around everywhere, but I thought it was a really enjoyable movie nonetheless. And I can't expect Disney to be anything except Disney. I can't expect Disney to have traditional Christian values, so uh, I, I try to just take it at face value and not look into that stuff. Or, um, sorry, Ellie just shrieked. I heard hear it through the doors. Um, so I try to just take it at face value and try to not make Disney into something it's not. But yeah, so I just found it to be an enjoyable, funny movie. But we do think that it's got some good uh, kernels we can talk about theologically. Kernels we can pop. Yeah. <laughs> pop. Uh. Oh, and it also had screaming goats. So that's, that was that's, they they were hilarious. They like giant screaming goats that can yes. r- travel through the bifrost and you know quite something. Crash into planets <laughs> and then scream. <laughs> yes, probably good. It wasn't the fainting goats that would have been problematic. <laughs> that, would have, that would not have been good. But yes, um, at part of this movie, uh, the villain is a actually a really complex villain um, called Gore. Gore the God Butcher. And he has made it his goal to, well, as his name would suggest, butcher all the gods. So he starts going after our Asgardian peoples, and they decide they need to recruit some help. So they go to the Council of the Gods, which is led by none other than Zeus, hoping to recruit their help. It uh, doesn't really work out because as Thor points out, all those gods are absolutely terrible and just focused about themselves. So that brings up an interesting thought about gods and specifically our God, Yahweh, the one true God. Is he like all those other gods? Yeah. And it makes us wonder like, is, is he just, first of all, is Yahweh just one of many gods, maybe many gods that are all not real anyway. Um, is Yahweh just as terrible as all those other gods on the council? Would he have showed up? So that was he seated somewhere in that very weird, selfish council? Um, so to to kind of get us started talking about this, I'll give us a give you an overview of where we're going to be going, and then we'll read a quote. So we are going to look at the God of the Bible, Yahweh. We'll also refer to him as the Trinitarian God. Since we're talking about a lot of gods, we'll 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 use specific names for our God to make it easier to understand. So we're going to talk about, is Yahweh just like all the other gods on that council? Um, meaning, is he terrible? I mean, we see destruction in the Old Testament. Does that make our God just as terrible? So we'll look at a passage from the Old Testament. Um, and then we'll also ask ourselves, well, if all those other gods on the council were just fiction, they're not real. Um, do, do atheists have it right? I mean, they believe in just one less God than we do. Um, and that's really where this quote's coming from. Uh, Stephen F. Roberts says, we contend, I contend we are both atheists. I just believe in one fewer God than you do. When you understand why you dismiss all the other possible gods, you will understand why I dismiss yours. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and before we dive in, I want to give you a few resources. If you want to learn more about this, you can read Paul Copan's Is God a Moral Monster? Making Sense of the Old Testament. And then we're going to be referring to two J. Warner Wallace articles throughout this episode. And we will also have that linked in the show notes. So if you want to learn more, check out the show notes. So diving right in, how is Yahweh different? Is Yahweh different? Um, and before we dive into scripture, I say dive in a lot. It's such a Christian buzzword. I'm in. I'm going yeah. deep Thanks, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I, <laughs> I say that so much. It's such like a Christian buzzword. But whatever. We're gonna before we dive into scripture, splash. Um, I want to remind you of some stuff we talked about um, in previous episodes when we've talked about the God, the Old Testament before. Um, talking about is you know that God in the Old Testament, why does he seem so different than the God we understand now? We've talked through that. Um, and there's two quotes that I pulled from our previous episodes that I think um, will be a good jumping off point so we can dive in. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <diving in. laughs> okay. So in the Old Testament, God is working in a particular time with a particular people for a particular purpose. And in particular, God was working in the ancient Near East very different context than our own, a very different culture than our own, but the Israelite people to bring about the savior of the universe. So we have to remember that as we read the Old Testament, God is doing a particular thing, a particular time with a particular people. And the ultimate goal is to bring about the savior of the universe. So that is our understanding of what God is doing in the Old Testament in general, but let's get specific um, and we can move into talking about scripture. Speaking of scripture, <laughs> let's go to the scriptures. Let's dive in. Was, yeah. I'm not uh, going to sing it again. Although okay. I did almost start singing a new thing by DC Talk. Yeah. So if we're looking for a place where it seems that God is being uh, cruel, uh, Joshua is a great place to look because there is a lot of taking back the promised land. So conquest and violence. Very exciting book. Oh my. Uh, but... Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Violence and conquest and bears. <laughs> bears. No, no, we're not oh. talking about Elisha. <laughs> I was about to say that does sound familiar. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be in the book of Joshua, chapter six, verses 20 through 25. And I'm just going to tell you something in advance. This is a part where we see what seems to be a cruel wiping out, but it's also a place where we see salvation in the Old Testament. So. You know, that's something to be looking forward to. So Joshua chapter six, verses 20 through 25. I am reading from the new international version. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family 
and all who belonged to her because she had hid the men Joshua had sent his spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. You know, j- just kind of a side note. I think like uh, Rahab got really, really irritated that, you know, just every time they mentioned her name, they also mentioned what her occupation was. <laughs> She's like, goodness like, gracious. Like in heaven, like, yes, okay. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> it's in the salvation part, okay? Uh, but, I mean, that is important because we see, you know, salvation here. She was most definitely a sinner. Um, but let's uh, get back to what we're actually talking about here. So, in this passage, there are things we can understand, and there's things that we can't really understand. Maybe I should say can and cannot. Can and can't can sound kind of similar, and we don't want to be confusing. Um, so let's start with what we can understand. This is a preview of God's salvation for the Gentiles. Uh, Rahab and those who were with her were spared from this wrath. They were given salvation. We see God's miraculous power. Um Blowing trumpets and screaming doesn't typically bring down structures. If so, concert halls would have a lot of trouble. You know what, though? That would have totally fit in in the Thor movie. It absolutely would have. (laughs) It would have been some, like, special trumpet weapon thing. (laughs) Maybe the goats would scream. I don't know. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. But yes, there is definitely miraculous power at work. And as Leah said earlier, and I will be repeating word for word, God was working in the ancient Near East with the Israelite people to bring about the savior of the universe. That's important. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about why that's important um, in this next section about what we cannot understand. So it seems kind of obvious. Why would God kill all those people? It clearly says, you know, they went in and killed with sword every living thing, men and women, young and old. Uh, I will refrain from making references to Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I, I was... I, and my brain goes there almost every time I think about this. But yeah, is God... Is, is Yahweh just as bad as... Yeah, that seems, like, to us, bad. excessive. They, they, they were just living there, weren't they? So let's focus on God's character to try and understand this. And... um one of the J. Warner Wallace articles that we were referencing has a really great explanation for this sort of thing. It's called, Why Would a Good God Behave So Badly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm uh, actually going to read straight from it. There's two kind of points that he makes here. First, God is the great artist, and then God is the great physician. So talking about God as an artist, what he wrote was, If you and I were in an art class together, and I suddenly grew frustrated with my sketch and decided to destroy it, you wouldn't complain in the least. If I stepped over to your easel and destroyed your sketch, however, you would certainly complain that I was doing something unjust. You see, the artist has the authority and right to destroy his or her own work. The art belongs to the artist. If there is a God, all of creation is his handiwork. He has the right to create and destroy what is his, even when this destruction may seem unfair to the artwork itself. This reminds me a little bit of um, when people are saying someone else has gone too far with something. There's an expression that says you're playing God. And even in that statement, uh, the premise is that God has the right to do certain things that us humans don't have. And it goes on to describe God as the great physician said, if you or I suffered a snake bite on our elbow and we're miles from the nearest hospital, a doctor might advise us over the phone to tourniquet the arm and save our life. 
In doing so, we would surely sacrifice an otherwise healthy hand to prevent the venom from spreading to our heart. But the doctor understands that this drastic action is required to prevent our death. You and I might not agree with the plan or like the outcome, but the doctor knows best. The treatment plan belongs to the doctor. If there is a God, all of us are his patients. He has the wisdom and authority to treat us as he sees fit, even when we might not be able to understand the overarching danger we face if drastic action isn't taken. Yeah, so it sounds drastic for these people to be wiped out to us. And even, you know, understanding God's character can maybe make us um, trust God through this, but it's still hard for us to understand um, because it, it is drastic. But we can trust that the character of God is good and just and is looking out for at the end of the day, he really is looking out for the good of humanity. Um, because like we said, God's goal is to bring about the savior of the universe. And we can't always understand his tactics. We can't always understand what he's doing, which frankly is a good thing because if we could understand God, then God would be smaller than us. So it's a good thing. We can't always understand what God is doing. Um, just in the same way, Ellie can't understand why I don't let her chew on things that are plugged in. She thinks I am just making her have no fun. Um, And she cries when I redirect her away from the thing that's trying to hurt her. Because right now, as an infant, her mind, her capacity, all that is smaller than mine. So, of course, she can't understand. Um, And it's going to be similar with with God. We, We won't be able to understand all of what he's doing. But we know, like you said, he's a physician. And physicians are good. They seek the good. Um, of people. God is an artist. Artists want to create something beautiful. They're not interested in just mere destruction. Um, We want to create things that are beautiful. And we know that God is working for the good of humanity through doing what he needs to do to bring Jesus into the world. And his timing, maybe we can't understand it, but we can trust that it's good. And in particular, we could ask ourselves, is Yahweh being selfish like all the other gods? Um, Zeus regular Zeus is not a family man. That's mm-hmm. one way. Thor got thought this movie did good. Um, <laughs> he is not like the Hercules, animated Hercules. Yes, was not accurate. <laughs> no, he's not a family man. Um, not a faithful husband by any stretch. Everything he did was selfish. Um, just about. So is God Yahweh selfish like that? And the fact that God is not doing this just out of spite, um, the ultimate goal for the people of Israel is to bring about Jesus, which was to bring about the salvation of the universe. That's not selfish, especially considering that came at the price of his own son dying an earthly, physical, painful death. So no, it wasn't selfish. So in these passages where we can't understand what God is doing, We can look at his character and he's not one that's selfish. He's not just looking out for himself. He's looking out for us. He's looking out for humanity um, because he wants to, because he made us and he loves us. And so that's what I lean into when I read passages and I can't understand what God is doing. I trust and lean into his character, which is vastly different than the character of um, the council of God's. So going back to our original question from Stephen F. Roberts, where he said, I contend we are both atheists. Jay Warner Wallace said that he, uh, that's something he also leaned into that, oh, I just believe in one fewer God than you do. 
um, when he was an atheist. Uh, and I've heard this a lot. It's, I just dismiss one more God than you. Okay. Why don't you like Zeus? Oh, well, there's not really any evidence he exists. He's a terrible person and um, nobody really believes in him anymore anyway. And so, well, you know, people are moving that direction, you know? And so that argue, that's where that argument goes. Um, but is that true? Do atheists just believe in one less God than Christians and they're just progressed a little further than we have? Well, in another article um, by Wallace, he gives the example of a courtroom as he does so well um, <laughs> as a cop, uh, as a detective. And in this article, he says, do atheists believe in just one less God than Christians? Well named, well named. Um, and he describes a courtroom. In a courtroom, uh, a jury is to decide if the person in front of them is guilty of a crime. Are there other people who might be guilty of that same crime? Maybe. Um, are there other people who are also being accused of crimes? Yes. Are there? And it's like, yes, there's, there's other things going on in the judicial system besides that one thing. But the jury's job is to figure out if that one person the one in front of them is guilty of the crime. And so you could um, fit that analogy to say we, as people considering the God Yahweh, are to look at him and decide if he's, so to speak, guilty of being real <laughs> or not. As, uh, do we have any evidence that he has done the thing called being alive? Um, <laughs> he says it much better than I will. You have to, you need to go click on it. Um, <laughs> Is he guilty of that? Is he guilty of being real or not? Yeah, there's other things we could consider, but that's not our job in the moment. We're just looking at the one God in front of us, looking at and judging that one God to decide if that particular God is real. Um, so we can't just paintbrush over all of the gods and say, oh, well, no, no, none of them are real because um, some of them aren't real. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That's like saying because unicorns aren't real, therefore no kind of horse creature is real. <laughs> like that doesn't... That doesn't make any sense. We have what about plenty. a winged horse that can open portals? That would be pretty cool. Um, if we have evidence for that, you know, we could we could look I into it. I saw a movie it. with one. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about a goat connected to a really uh, magical thing? Axe. Stormbreaker axe. <laughs> anyway. An axe with an attitude, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that was one sassy axe. <laughs> I don't think I'll I be can careful that. with our pronunciation here. <laughs> anyway we can't judge all the other gods uh right this very second but we can look at the god in front of us and say is this god guilty of being who he says he is is this god guilty of being real um and all we can do is one at a time but here's the thing we can't say okay cool yeah yahweh's real all right next next god because yahweh claims to be the only God. When we read scripture, we see this three in one God, this Trinity God, and they say, there's no other gods before me. Um, we're talking about how um, Yahweh is the one true God. And so if Yahweh is real, that automatically excludes all the other gods. And so by judging this one God, we learn a whole lot about the other ones, namely that they don't exist. <laughs> Um, and we've talked in other episodes about um, how there's contradictory worldviews and beliefs between different religions. So we can't say that they're all true and they're all right because they have different things to say about God and the world of people and the problem and all of that. Uh, we've talked about that before. But by judging this one God, we do learn a lot about the other ones. And in doing so, we learn about a God who isn't selfish. We learn about a God 
who isn't just on this council to, to figure out how to make his life better. Um, we see a God who is looking out for the good of humanity. So we really enjoyed this movie um, and thought it was a good opportunity to talk about how our God is so different than those other horrible, terrible, no good gods. <laughs> We're on that council. No good, very bad gods. That's <laughs> exactly. Like, no, our God isn't anything like that. Yeah, that could uh, be the name of the movie. Thor and the uh, horrible, terrible, no good, very bad gods. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we hope you've learned something. If you saw the movie, um, hope you enjoyed it. We did. So, but yeah, probably don't take your kids. Yeah. But if you're adults and just want to be entertained, it's yeah, a good movie yeah. to turn off your brain and dive in. You know what? Okay, this is totally not in our script. But um, if you do have kids and you're trying to figure out what you're comfortable showing them, there's a, you might know about this already, but there's a great resource called Common Sense Media. And it tells you different things about violence, um, sexual content, about language, about positive role models. And it has a lot of different stuff that you can look at and read and decide if you're comfortable showing that content to your kids or what I do if I'm comfortable watching it. Um, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That's helpful. That reminds me of a video that came out a few years ago. It was called uh, Everything is Samuel L. Jackson's Fault. Oh, no. And it has like Samuel L. Jackson out in everyday life. And then someone comes up and goes, Hey, are you are you Samuel L. Jackson? He's like, oh, yes, 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 I am. I'm like, well, after my four-year-old saw Django Unchained, he started cursing. He's like, what? You took your four-year-old to see Django? <laughs> and it was a whole PSA about how you should check ratings before taking your children to see things. That's, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. Use, use discretion. That resource is helpful for deciding if that's something you're comfortable yes. with. So <laughs> for yourself for and a reason. Kids. Yeah, okay. yeah, you use them. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of ratings... We would love if you would uh, leave us a rating, a five-star rating, and then uh, a negative review altogether. <laughs> <laughs> no, how about uh, five stars and a positive review? Uh, that really does help out a lot with people wanting to listen if they see it's well-reviewed. So if you uh, enjoy what you hear and want to support us that way, give us a rating. Also, also, I forgot to share, we have a new patron. Oh, that's exciting. She's been on the show before. Oh. Her name is Sarah Foster. <laughs> uh, Our mom joined Patreon. So thank you, mother. We appreciate your support in many ways. Um, but now in particular, supporting on Patreon. Yeah. Ooh, and you already that have, have your been mother. Bad. We almost forgot about our mother. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I remember. Yeah. I was going to say, she already has her mug. So, because I gave her one as a gift. Told her I'd give her another one if she wants. But if you want does, a cool does she mug. she need a sticker? Maybe. We can get her stickers. I have a lot of stickers and a box somewhere. Anyway, leave us a rating, a review, five stars, all kinds of positive things, uh, and we'd really appreciate it. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Sorry we got kind of rambly at the end. God bless. <laughs> Apologetic Simplified is a part of Leah Chapman Ministry Productions. To learn more, go to www.leahchapman.org. And thanks for listening.